0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. What's up, buddy? Welcome back. Hey, citizens, how you guys doing? Hey, Ashley, what's up? How you doing? You guys doing good today? Are you you ready this evening? I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what. I I have always loved you guys. I have always respected you guys. Today, my respect level took a little bit of a hit. I'm not going to lie. Took a little bit of a hit. Me and Max, me and Max Burchette, me and Max, we were sitting back there. And Max Burchett is like, dude, these kids slept until 10. And I was like, watch this, man. We haven't even gotten started yet, Max Burchett. And so when the people up here said noon, I thought for sure, all right, like enough's enough. Nope, you guys slept until noon. She, they said one o'clock, no hands dropped. They said two o'clock, I said, this is sin. It is time. I almost threw out my entire, I told Max Perchette, I was like, Max Perchett, we need to throw out this sermon right now, because we just need to take an entire gathering to repent. Jeez, two o'clock. And what was the winning one? It was like down to Garrett, Skyler, and someone, and even Skyler, you know when Skyler's like, all right, man, i am be at 5 p.m., you know there's a problem. And so Garrett knew be 645? 650 actually. 650, jeez. Oh, yeah. Jeez, oh, man. I need you guys to open up to your Bibles on a chapter about sleep. Um, turn to sleep. Wow. So you should be rested is what I'm hearing. You should be rested. But that's okay. That's okay. It's summer. Everybody say, it's summer. It's summer. I can sleep if I want to. My favorite. My favorite. <laughs> my favorite. I was talking to somebody and I go, bro, you slept till four o'clock. Why didn't you just stay sleeping? And he goes, man, I just had things to do. <laughs> You didn't have things to do if you were sleeping until 4 o'clock, right? So, anyway, you guys doing good tonight? Are you ready? Here's what we're going to do tonight. It's going um, um, to be a different night. It's going to be a different night. It's going to be crazy. Look to your neighbor and go, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. For a few moments, for a few moments, I want to talk about... I want to talk about moments in your life that change everything. Moments in your life that change everything. And so you think throughout history, right? And there are moments that we can look back on that we go, dude, because of that moment, everything changed. It was like a domino effect. First place my mind goes to when I think of this, and like Jacob, Jacob said it earlier, he goes, Why do I think of negative right off the bat? I'm with you, bro. I'm just a negative kind of guy. But the first place my mind goes to, I think of September 11th, 2001. It's wild to me that some of you guys weren't even born yet. How many of you were alive, right? Probably just juniors and seniors, 2001. Yeah, wild. I remember where I was. I remember where I was. I actually lived in New York City when this happened. Our schools got evacuated. I remember going home. My dad was home from work because he used to drive trucks around there. And I was like, Dad, what are you doing home? And you you just feel in the atmosphere, dude, something happened. There was a moment in our country, and ever since that day, everything has changed. You may not even realize it because you weren't even born yet, but the way you now travel through an airport, everything is different because of that day, right? the process that you have to go through for, for taking off your shoes and your socks and the, the metal detectors, all those things that you're rolling your eyes at, you're like, why do we even have to do this? It's because of that day. Everything has changed. Now, okay, maybe it's not all negative, okay? Some of you guys are like, bummer, start to your message, dude. We're going like, you know, World War III here. Well, some of you guys have just experienced a moment that was positive, okay? And so our graduates are we're say, aww. They're leaving Max Prochette. Max, this is your last Wednesday, Max Prochette. That's wild, man. I'm going to start crying, bro. Our graduates next week, that will like, this, I think this is their last week altogether, and then they just start like getting taken for the next couple of weeks. It's like, we're all in this. They're gone. It's like three years later, this guy, like Max Prochette, comes back with a beard, and you're like, who's that guy? I remember you. Where'd you go? And he's like, college. You're like, I want to not go there anymore. And so this was a moment that when they turned the tassel, when they walked the line, when they got the diploma, this was a moment that changed everything, JJ. You're never going back to high school. Never going back. For me, I used to think that that was the biggest moment in my life. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, I'm a man. I graduated high school. And then you know what happened? I became a man. And I had the best moment of my life, right? Oh, out of order, out of order. Go, Ah! Where's my wedding photo? Tell me there's a wedding photo in there. No wedding photo? Take my word for it. Best moment of my life, right? That's not my wedding photo. It's not. But I got married, you know? And it's like, you, you like, you say all the things when you're dating. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're engaged and you're dating. and You're like, I can't wait to say goodbye to goodbyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you, you hang up first. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Or my favorite was like, Sam, seven more sleeps until we're married. You know what I mean? You just like, and you just think that it's like, oh, I'm still gonna be me, but then it's just gonna be a lot more fun and I'm gonna be married, but I'm still gonna be me. No, everything changes. I can't wait till we don't have to say goodbye. You never say goodbye. Mowich, Mowich. Max Burchett, bro. And so, you know, that moment changed everything. I will never go back, God willing, I will never go back to being unmarried, right? Here's another moment that changed everything. When I became a parent. Yeah, aww, right? All the ladies go aw. The dude's like, huh. <laughs> right? What is that? Like, Why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> I became a parent. I will never, I will never stop being a parent. I will never, it's, it's over. I, I kind of feel bad for my second born, but we just celebrated six months for Everett. And I'm like, sorry, dude, you didn't make me a parent. Micah did, right? No, nope, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that was only one firstborn. That was a moment that has changed everything, everything. And so we just came back. We just came back from, a, from four days at the beach because we were celebrating the moment. We were talking about moments, not just in life, not in history. We were talking about moments where individuals like yourselves come in contact with Jesus. Some of you guys experienced that moment for the first time, and I loved how Courtney said that, that you're you're getting baptized, you're going public with your faith, because for the first time in your life, you met Jesus, and at that moment, you said, I want to follow him. Others of you are already Christians. Others of you have been Christians your whole life, but you had a moment at camp over the last several weeks where you realized, I need to stop trusting in myself, and I need to trust in Jesus now. That's a moment. That's a moment. Others of you guys, you had camp, and maybe your camp was a little bit underwhelming. Maybe it wasn't as emotional as you thought, but for you, that was a moment where God was teaching you that he's more powerful than emotion. He's more powerful than an emotional reaction. That was still a moment. And so here's the powerful thing, though, because we talk about moments, but here's what you need to understand about a moment with Jesus, is that the impact of that moment stretches way beyond that moment, okay? The moment that you have with Christ, the significance of that moment is way bigger than just that moment. And it extends way beyond that moment. In other words, it changes everything. And so for the next few weeks, I don't want to talk to you about the moment. I want to talk to you about what happens after that moment in which Jesus causes everything to shift. And you have a moment And now everything after that moment is like a domino effect that Christ has caused. It's like a ripple that Christ has caused. And you start to realize in your life, you go, whoa, this is different now because of Christ. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how your vision of the world has shifted because of your moment with Christ the way you conduct your relationships have shifted because of Christ. The way that you identify yourself, the way that you think about yourself, your identity, it all shifts because of Christ. And so, keeping with our theme of going back to school today, I want to talk to you today about how your moment with Christ, your relationship with Christ, shifts something even as basic as you going back to school. And so allow me, A couple of weeks early. Max Burchett, you're leaving soon, so this won't be like super crazy for you. But allow me to bring you to the first day of school to a very familiar scene, okay? There it is. Shh, it's okay. Oh no. (laughs) These kids, dude, they crack me up. First day of school. You get off the bus. You go through the sea of masses. You get into the hallway and you try to find your locker. And so you're finding your locker, you get the code, you have to have somebody help you, you're getting all the books, you're preoccupied right now, right? You're just trying to survive those first few moments of middle school or of high school. And then, with the books in the locker, book bag on your back, you close the locker, you turn around, and you ask yourself what every single student asks asks themselves on the first day of school. Where are my people? You know what I'm talking about? All the busy things are done, right? The books are there, the schedule's done, and now you're just waiting, but as you wait, you're wondering, where are my people? Who are my people? Where do I belong? Where do I even begin to try in this sea of faces? And see, the thing is, High school culture has so many ways to make you organize yourselves and divide yourselves, right? High school and middle school, there are so many ways that are imposed on you that say, oh, you know where your people are? Where's your sports team? Oh, I know who your people are, the people who have the same GPA as you. Oh, I know who your people are, the people who have the same homeroom as you. Oh, I know who your people are. It's the fellow band geeks. No, no, it's the art student. I'm a band geek. Don't you dare. Don't even start with me. That's an affectionate term, okay? It's your fellow art students. Oh, I know. It's the kids that you spend attention with every day, right? You're like, yeah, they're my people, right? Where are my people? Where are my people? And here's what I want you to understand. And here's what we're going to do just for a few moments. You need to understand that on that first day of school, Jesus has shifted the way you answer the question, where are my people? Your moment with Jesus, your relationship with Christ shifts the way that you answer the question, shifts the way that you approach relationships, and we're gonna see it from a powerful little story here in Mark chapter three. Are you ready? You're like, dude, we're not on good on good terms here. You just brought us to the first day of school. That's not cool. Trust me, it's worth it, okay? It's going to be good. So here we go, Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 31. Everybody say, who are my people? Are my people? All right, Moses, let's go. Let my people go. Here we go, verse 31. <laughs> and his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. Okay, let's pause. Let's just go move, this, move through this story very slowly. Jesus is busy, Okay? Jesus, as we just saw at camp, Jesus is like a teaching machine. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing. He's like blind guy. To see, he's just doing all of this stuff, right? Right before this passage, Jesus is in this like heated debate with these religious people who are trying to like match wits with him, and Jesus is just like with his pinky, like, like you can't you can't hang with me. But he is so busy. Jesus is so preoccupied he hasn't really taken a break. He hasn't paused to eat. Maybe it's time for nature to call. Jesus, like maybe you're going a little bit too fast right now. And so his mothers and his brothers, they come to intervene, right? They're like, oh, Jesus, it's time to go get a cliff Bar. I mean, let's like, let's call, it, call a time out here. You're just going way too hard, All right? And a couple of verses earlier, it shows us just how busy he was. He says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. How many of you have a job? You showed me earlier. You have a job? How many of you go home from your job? Okay. How many of you expect that when you go home, your job is not home. Your job stays at job? You know what I'm saying? Jesus goes home, and they show up at his house. And it says that they showed up so that he couldn't even eat. So it's like dinner time, and Jesus, you can just imagine him with like that pork chop. He's like, ah, duty calls. And Jesus goes. They could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he's out of his mind. <laughs> Jesus, what are you doing here? You're so busy. Jesus, it's time for a break. And so look what, his friend, look what his family, look what his family does. They try to intervene. Here we go. Let's get Jesus to take a water break. Let's, take him, let's get him to take five, grab a Clif Bar, and we'll hit it again in the morning. So look what they say. Verse 32. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Okay. So this is like, (laughs) you guys are like, I'm waiting for the punchline. It's coming, okay? So Jesus is here. He's teaching. Who's around him? Who's around him? The crowd? Who's outside calling for him? His family. All right, so we just gotta, let's make this really clear. So we have, the crowd, who, who's right here? Guys, who's right here? Wow. Thank you. Oh, yes, conviction. And then who's outside calling him? Family. family. Right, so family is where? Outside. outside. The crowd is where? Okay, all right. And so who's calling him, though? Family. The family. Okay, okay. You got the picture, right? I need you to understand. You want one more time? I got you, Rolly, right. <laughs> right, so he's teaching, and the people around him are the crowd, Non family, not like you guys, non family members, but then people outside are family. family. That's right. That's right. I need you to, we need to make sure we know where everybody is in this scene here because what Jesus says next is kind of going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Who's outside? All right. All right. Cool. 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 All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Let's actually treat you as the crowd. You want to be the crowd? All right, so you guys fill in here. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. It's like a weird zombie crowd or something. (laughs) So you guys are the crowd. The family's outside. Look what Jesus says. This is going to blow your mind. Are you ready, Max? Here we go. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Guys. I hate it when Jesus works so hard that he like forces amnesia. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, you were so busy like knowing everything that you forgot the name of your mother and your brothers, huh? So who's around his feet? The crowd. His family's outside and the crowd says, Jesus, your family's outside. And he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Is Jesus suffering from Amnesia? Has Jesus maybe forgotten? I mean, wouldn't you forget if you had like all of the knowledge of the entire universe in your mind? I mean, is that what's happening here? This sounds like something that I would try when I was a kid, but not because I was deity or anything, um, just because I was that kid. Like somebody's like, hey, your mom's calling you like, who's my mom? You know, my mom's like, I'm going to tell you who your mom is, right? (laughs) I don't think that's what Jesus was trying, you know? Like, mom, who? You're like, I'm gonna make you have amnesia. Like, that's literally something my mom would say. She would probably say it with a funny accent, too. I'm gonna give you amnesia. <laughs> What's happening? Jesus, have you really forgotten? Maybe all of the crowd and the family talk has made Jesus confused. What do you think? Who are my mother and my brothers? I don't think Jesus forgot. I don't think he was like, "What's her name again?" Uh, Mary, Mary, Mary. Did you know? (laughs) I don't think he forgot. Here's what. Here's the point. Jesus knew exactly who was outside. Jesus knew exactly the name of his family. But he was about to use this as an opportunity to teach people how to answer the question, "Who are my people?" Jesus was about to take this extremely practical and ordinary setting and he was about to turn it into an object lesson and he's about to teach you and me how do you answer the question, who are my people? Who are my people? Who is my family? Who do I really belong to? So Jesus, seizing opportunity here, taking advantage of the moment, drops a profound statement of truth on the crowd. And he drops a profound statement of truth for us. Look what he says. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Who who, who was here again? And who's outside? Family. So, but he says, here are my family. No, Jesus, you wait, I'm sorry, who's around the feet again? Crap, but he says, here are my mother and my brothers. What is Jesus saying here, students? Jesus knew who his biological mother was, he knew who his biological brothers were, but his point. The point that Jesus wants you to understand is that his family, the people that he has the most in common with are his spiritual family. His spiritual family. My brothers and sisters are people who are also God's children. My mothers are those who are in the same faith as me. My family is God's family. In other words... Our family is God's family. Who are my people? Our family is God's family. My people are God's people. And students, here's the profound shift that you need to understand. And if you can get this in middle school, awesome. If you can get this in high school, better late than never. But let's learn it together. The people that you are most closely connected with in this, on this planet, The people that you have the most in common with are not people of the same nationality as you. I don't know why I did this. We're not the same nationality, right? (laughs) It's like blonde hair, blue eye. I'm like, you know us. (laughs) No. The people that you are most connected with are not the people that you have the same hobbies with. The people that you have the most in common with are not even the people who have the same last name as you. It's not the people who have the same economic status as you. It's not the people who live in your neighborhood. It's not the people who dress like you. It's not the people who are as smart as you. It's not the people. Our family is God's family. And so here's what's wild. Listen to this. I have family members that don't follow Jesus. Okay? How many of you have family members that don't follow Jesus? Wow. Okay, so a lot of you are like me, right? They have the same last name as me. But here's what you have to understand. McKenna, get this. You're new to the family of God. You need to un- this is like Christianity 101, all right? Take notes. Listen. You and I, if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian who has professed faith in Jesus Christ, you and me, Sam Cassis, Max Burchett, like individuals here, you and I have more in common. We are more closely related than my siblings that don't follow Jesus. We are more of a family than my blood because what Jesus has done has shifted the way we view relationships. It has shifted the way that we do life with people because you see, when God saved us through Christ, he was forming a new family and the blood that connects them is not your Italian blood or your Puerto Rican blood or your Irish blood. The blood that connects us is the blood of Christ. So, our family is God's family. And now you see some people, they're, they're gonna wig out about this. You try to tell this to some people, right? And you start, you try to go like, oh, yo, actually, me and Lit, like, that's my family, that's my family, that's my people. People are gonna look at me and they're gonna say, what? Like, that, that's the crowd. <laughs> Sam, I, I think you're confused. You're talking to a bunch of middle school students, you're talking to a bunch of high school students, calling them your family? Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. That's not family, that's the crowd. Allison Texley is part of the crowd. Serene is part of the crowd. That's not your sister. That's not your mother. Simone is part of the crowd. It's not your family. Austin, Rowley, dude, Sam, he's part of your crowd, not of your family. No. Jesus points to the people that other people are referring to as crowd. He goes, no, no, here. And they go, Sam, are you confused? Jesus, are you confused? You're pointing to the crowd, and you're saying family. He goes, I'm not confused. Here. These are my mother and my brother's and my sisters, and my fathers. And people may be confused by that because what they don't understand is that our family is God's family. Your family is God's family. More than your fellow bandos, more than your fellow art sisters, more than your rugby team, more than your swim club, more than your track team more than your nationality, more than your neighborhood, even more than your blood, the new family that God has made and brought you into because of Jesus, that is your family. And so the result is this. The result is a hodgepodge of students who, if it were not for Christ, would not be friends. I'm just gonna be honest. You guys, like, you're like, what are you talking about? This is my soul sister. That's because you're super theologically astute, right? But other people look at you and they go, what do you have in common? What do you have in common? Dude, I loved at camp, right? Because we had kids in our cabins that are just, they don't, you wouldn't think they fit. Because high school culture tries to divide you up one way. But when you look through God's filter, when you look through the reality that our family is God's family, you go, oh, I get it. I now know why Haley can be friends with Jacqueline. Oh, I get it. Why Jacqueline can be friends with Gabby, even though they seem so different. It's because our family is God's family. Your family, students, is God's family. And so when you show up on the first day of school and you finish the locker and you turn around and you say, who are my people? Your people are right here. Here are your sisters. Here are your brothers. Here is your mother and your father.